Welcome to another PSD cast from Power Systems Design. I'm your host, Alex Paul, and today I've got Brian White. He's the uh, Director of Strategic Alliances over at uh, TrendPoint, and they're in, uh, well, well, hopefully all of my guests are in the energy business, but they're all coming from different facets of the field. Isn't that right, Brian? Welcome to the show. Thank you, Alex. It's great to be here. Well, I love having different people here because, as I just pointed out, I mean, we all say we're power experts and energy experts and such, but it's really the blind man and the elephant, isn't it? I mean, we're all looking at the issue from so many different directions, you could almost say that they're, well, they are, they're different application spaces in and of themselves, right? Absolutely. I mean, there's so many facets to this, um, from your commercial to residential to, um, you know, what what we focus on in data centers and, and the things that we're more privy to, um, but just all around innovation across the board, and I think it leaves a lot of us in silos and specialists, and I think that's, you know, great that you bring all the different ones together uh, on your podcast here where we can learn about all the different segments from different people since we don't get to see it all every day. Well, and, and you're so nice to say all of those very nice things about the show, but I am glad to have you on board, Brian. And let's, let's start right up the bat. You know, data centers, I mean, even as a subset, that's still a huge space. Uh, it absolutely is a big space. Um, data centers, uh, you know, consume a lot of power, so they're large users of power globally. But uh, what well, a lot that's of why they're next to aluminum plants, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I don't know much about the aluminum plant industry, but I'll take your word for that. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, but well, yeah, I think I think what the data center operators would like everybody to know is that they're actually really efficient with the power that they consume, and, and more so than, than probably anywhere else. Well, definitely unlike the aluminum plant next door. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, I, I'll take your word for it, as I'm no expert on aluminum plants. Well, no, it's, it's a joke in the industry among some <laughs> segments because... Well, they, they, they locate themselves very often by hydroelectric plants, aluminum plants, because aluminum extraction is a very electric or electricity, tons and tons of electricity are used in aluminum extraction. So it's, it's one of the most inefficient and most energy hungry uh, industries in our, in our industry. And so that's why, uh, compared to an aluminum plant, even the most inefficient data center would look like uh, an LED light bulb compared to a raging bonfire. <laughs> That's a great analogy. Uh, so, but now speaking of uh, data centers, the question is efficiency. We're all trying to squeeze out more and more cycles. More, we want to get more and more processing power, more and more storage. I mean, today's data centers are marvels compared to the way they used to be, but obviously that also means a power and an efficiency challenge, Right. Absolutely. Um, you know, what you've seen, you know, if you talk more, if you think more about just even the traditional IT, I mean, what you've seen going on, everybody understands, no matter what you do, everybody understands what's going on with mobile and mobile devices and their technology. Um, you've got, you know, what they're doing with data analytics and being able to analyze data and do things with it. Um, you know, you're starting to hear about the artificial intelligence, virtual reality stuff robotics, and then, you know, the Internet of Things where we're going to have billions of connected devices, um, you know, communicating with each other, everything from your alarm clock telling your coffee pot to make you a pot of coffee. But all of that stuff has to sit somewhere, and that's 
that's often referred to generically as the cloud, which we sort of mm-hmm. like to say the sky for the cloud is data centers. So if, if any of your listeners are familiar with what a data center is, it's in most generic terms, we, we sort of tell people it's the sky where the cloud lives. So we focus <laughs> on the facilities and the infrastructure that power um, all those different servers and storage devices that allow, you know, your, your mobile phones and, <clears throat> excuse me, everything you use every day to work. Right, right. Well, and that's the key with our audience is that uh, our listeners are directly involved in designing the subsystems and power systems and memory systems in these data centers. Um, So it is a very uh, critical issue to them. And frankly, they would be interested in some of the uh, trends that you're seeing within the data center and some of the ways that uh, the designers could uh, impact what's going on in the space. Sure. Um, you know, I think you see, you see several things. I mean, obviously, you know, kind of the, for better or worse, whether it's loved or hated, you know, PUE is sort of a metric, um, which is, you know, the IT load, you know, divided by the total load on the facility. And it's a representative metric of how efficiently you're using your power that's available. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's sort of the success metric. Um, it's been around long enough that it's, it's good for people to use to compare. But, I mean, I think what, what really drives this thing is, is, is you need two things, really. So, so saving energy or being more energy efficient, which happens at every level of every piece of equipment that might go into a facility, um, obviously equals cost savings. Um, for large public companies, it, it, it equals them being more green or more environmentally sustainable in their operations. Um, and then, you know, data centers have to be critical facilities. They have to be up all the time. Um, so whether they, you know, they'll have grid-connected power, they'll have generators. You're starting to see a big trend in solar, people building their own solar arrays. Um, not only to not be, you know, there's two things to the solar uh, thing we see is, you know, it makes you less reliant on, say, maybe a municipal grid or a typical grid power supply. Um, so it gives you another option, um, as well as if that's down, you have, your, you know, you're generating your own power. And, and there, I guess there's been an inflection point in solar that's made it cost-effective enough to where it's worth building your own solar array. Um, and so you're starting mm-hmm. to see a lot of that. Um, I'm, sure, I'm sure you have too as well, Alex. Yes. Well, and uh, Brian, when you think about all of that, uh, one of the questions that comes to mind, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that's one of the things I love about this show is I don't mind being corrected. It helps my audience get educated. But... Um, how much of an impact is this memory revolution? I mean, you can put 60 terabytes in your back pocket today. How does that impact a data center? I mean, I was at a Capgemini data center in Amsterdam. Oh, I mean, it was a while ago, over a decade ago, but the whole facility was only set up for 30 terabytes. I mean, and just imagine that, I can just imagine, yes, that facility still exists, but and it's probably been upgraded, but when you think about it, it's a huge physical infrastructure, armed guards, 50-kilowatt flywheel-based generator in the basement to float. What's, what's a modern data center in a, in a normal size worth nowadays compared to what can be built within the near future? Now that you can put 60, 120, I mean, you could put almost as much storage as a huge facility in your pockets nowadays, memory-wise, um, does that impact the construction? Does that impact the design? Do you still need all of that uh, server space for switching? I mean, how, where does that go from there? I mean, please enlighten me. 
Sure. I mean, uh, you know, I, you've seen you've seen what was sort of referred to, and, and then we're sort of moving, you know, beyond this. But in 2009, 2010, uh, you know, you often heard it referred to as the data deluge. And that was a, mm-hmm. a massive uptick in the amount of data that was being created on a daily basis. And it, and it forces us to look at, you know, having more more than two exabytes of data, you know, globally. And then that's going to grow by 30 times or so, um, depending on, you know, which, which studies and charts you look at. So uh, that, you know, that's, the, and that's mm. driven by the things I mentioned at the beginning, right? So your mobile devices, um, you take pictures on your phone, they're not stored on your phone, they're stored in the cloud. Um, you know, mm. the next sort of the next coming things they're going to, you know, make that, uh, you know, ramp so severe is, is what, you know, you hear called IOT or internet of things. And, and, and I, we didn't dig into that too much, but that's sort of, uh, the next big driver of connectivity beyond mobile that we're seeing start to take shape right now. It's putting a lot of strain or will put a lot of strain on our critical facilities, i.e. data centers. So what you're saying, Brian, is that the explosion in memory is actually good because it's the Microsoft issue, right? The, the software will always bloat to use up all of the hardware. Um, I wouldn't say that, it, you know, I think software... Yeah, I mean, I understand what you're trying to say. I wouldn't say or data images. Yeah, I was going to say that the opportunity for users to be empowered to create more data and save more of what they do, not on their own hard drive, but like in a cloud type infrastructure where it's more shareable and accessible from more places. So think about those refrigerators you might see with the with the screen on them, and you're like, why would I want a screen on my refrigerator? But you know, it's going to have the weather, maybe your schedule, things like that. So you're taking things where your calendar used to just be on maybe your desktop computer to now whether it may show up on 20 things. It may be in your bathroom mirror while you're getting ready. Um, mm-hmm, so that, mm-hmm, that type mm-hmm. of availability of that information, um, you know, requires it to be, you know, accessible, say, from, from a more centralized location and, and more distributed mm-hmm. around the globe. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's what I had meant, Brian, when I was saying software. I meant generically, in other words, data, videos, people's cats' pictures, people's grandkids' pictures. As you pointed out, there's just so much being uploaded now, just pure data, raw data. So I gather you're right. The, uh, the explosion in memory is actually going to help this because we'll at least be able to put it somewhere. Absolutely. Um, you know, you're even seeing, you know, speaking of video, I mean, look at like what Twitter's doing with Periscope. Um, so, so not only are you filming video with your phone, but you're live broadcasting it globally, um, instantaneously. So, so I could broadcast to you and anyone who wanted to see what I was doing right now. Um, and if you think about the infrastructure to deliver that and how hard it was, think about uh, a live sporting event even 15 years ago cost millions of dollars to broadcast, right? You saw the big truck mm-hmm. with the satellite dishes and you know, all the producers and everything like that, now in any individual with absolutely no training can broadcast, you know, infinitely any, to, to the entire globe um, instantaneously from a device in their pocket. It's, it's pretty amazing on, on what we've empowered people to do to sort of create that content and, and, and build, you know, that data that you said. And then I think that's, that speaks highly of the, of the work we've done in the critical facilities space today. So, now, actually, Brian, I am going to give you a chance to, to pitch TrendPoint a little bit. Where does TrendPoint insert themselves in the value chain there? 
Sure. Well, so our area of focus um, is, is on power metering. So we make, uh, you know, I guess you'd say intelligent metering solutions for um, primarily we focus on the data center market because that's where the densities and, and that's where the most need is. Um, mm-hmm. we, we also do some commercial uh, buildings and things like that. Not really residential focused. Um, you're not really seeing, like, when we, when we talk about power metering, we're not talking about, you know, just the meter for the utility as it comes into the building. We're talking about within the building, um, analyzing the power quality with waveform capture, looking at harmonic distortions, um, calculating kilowatt hours so that they can be billed back to or showed back to individual users or departments um, within a company. Um, Mm -hmm, And then mm -hmm. obviously capacity planning, as you mentioned. So when you see we're launching a video application, what do we do? How much space, how much how much infrastructure are we going to need? Well, you've got to know how much power that is. And so you have to be able to analyze those type of loads to be able to plan to grow. Or you see, you know, large things launch and then maybe they don't work and things like that. And then general, like I said, everybody expects all this stuff to work all the time. And so you have to sort of see problems before they happen. So you have to be analyzing that the quality of the power and seeing things that are going on and just, you know, maybe something happens for one second, but it's a predictor of, what could cause, you know, a major system outage. Um, And so that's the area we focus on is the hardware that enables that. And then we work with providers that make, you know, what what I think you've seen in this industry is, is you know, people are starting to slowly adopt what we call DSIM or BMS applications. That's data center infrastructure management software or building management software. There's a few other acronyms that float around out there. But, you know, if you think about it, just think about, you know, managing a building or a data center but you can see everything that's going on on every circuit at every level, um, you know, from, from a centralized system, you know, think the, you know, operator in the control booth sort of, sort of uh, picture, and, and they can see what's going on and be alerted and, and have alarms and things like that versus traditionally, you know, if everything broke and then everybody started running around and they're like, no, I found it over here. And they're like, well, what'd you find? I don't know, but it, this is where our problem is. This is what's broken. Uh-huh. And then you start fixing it, right? And so that's where we're moving right. towards is, uh, I, you know, some people like to use the term smarter systems or smart systems. Um, that's, that's sort of the direction that we see things moving in that space. Excellent. Well, and this is the beautiful thing about it. It really is such a brave new world. So many new functionality, so many new capacities uh, are really, really enabling things. But then at the end of the day, the infrastructure still has to be there. Well, absolutely. I mean, the hard thing you're seeing now is so, you know, the critical facilities like data centers. So a lot of them have been around a while. Um, some as many as even 20 or 30 years, some even longer than that, because back when our telephone system was analog, they had to build even more. Very, what, what The infrastructure that's very similar to a modern data center were like telephone switch stations, you know, in the analog days of phone communications. And so as those have moved to digital, the footprint needed in those facilities has shrank, and people are repurposing those facilities as data centers because they're conveniently, you know, by nature of what they were before, they're located near all the communications lines. So, you know, the fiber optic and traditional phone lines that you need for communications are there. They're Mm -hmm. usually very centralized um, for power. Um, and so the location of data centers are generally very strategic in terms of what's available from two sources of grid power to what, you know, multiple carriers 
uh, lines, large fiber trunks. And those were always, you know, you think, if you think back to the old railroad days, right, you know, we took right of way to build rail, then we invented cars, right, and we, and we built roads mm-hmm. to major freeways, and you got to run power lines. And so all that stuff tends to share the same space. Like if you and I wanted to go build, if you and I wanted to have a line that connected from you to me directly, it would follow you know, major through fares or where things, infrastructure like that's already been laid. Um, and so that's sort of, it's kind of an interesting thing historically to see how like, you had these big telecom centers and now all of a sudden they're data centers now and they're growing, but they're in the same, you know, kind of geographic areas. Got you, got you. Now, unfortunately, I would love to keep talking, but we are, um, in a podcast, and I am in a limited time frame here. But before I let you go, what I'd like to do is, I will I've always give my guests is the ability uh, to have the last word. So if you can say a little bit more about the company and its services, or you could uh, talk about the uh, data center space, or just a tip for our audience, the floor is yours. Oh, well, thank you, Alex. I appreciate it. Um, you know, I would say, you know, just continuing on uh, with what we talked about, the importance of, 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 of being able to understand not only your power usage, but the quality of the power and how it's being consumed um, is important. If anybody needs help with that, um, we would love to talk to you. Um, you, can, you can find us at www.trimpoint.com. Um, if we can't help you, we'll certainly find someone who can help you. Um, we're happy to talk with everybody, um, whether we have a specific product for you or not. Uh, and I, you know, I appreciate you having us on today, Alex. Oh, well, you know, the beautiful part about a talk show is I get to talk to all kinds of extremely cool people, and I've just added you to the list, and we're going to bring you back so we can talk more about this stuff. Let's do it. It sounds great. There's lots of lots more areas we can go for sure. There you go. And uh, I'd like to thank everybody out there in the audience for taking the time to be with us. We wouldn't be here without you. Tell your friends. This is Alex Paul for Power Systems Design. Have a great day.